0: Welcome to Five Stripe Weekly. It's a 2020 season review, and we count down our top three worst and best moments of the season. All that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Stripe fan. I'm Tanner filling in for AJ this week, and joining me is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a -A -A wide variety of selections, and a plate of something delicious from the menu to go. Check out Thinking Man Tavern. And that is a close on what has been, well, let's be honest, a pretty abysmal 2020 season for Atlanta United. First season, Atlanta United has not featured in the MLS Cup playoffs, but we're gonna try and find some positives in this. And let's be honest, the negatives will be a whole lot easier so we're just going to start with that to get that out of the way and try to be a bit more cheerful as this podcast goes on. So I'm going to go ahead and throw to you, Mark, with what has been your worst moment of the 2020 MLS season for Atlanta United?
1: Oh, I think two came to mind. Um, I think the first worst moment for me was losing to Cincinnati in the MLS back tournament. It's like when it lost to Red Bulls, it's like, all right, that's a bogey team. Like, no, not a big shock there. Cincinnati is. Absolutely one of the worst teams in the league for like two years in a row now. And to lose to them, it's like, oh, we're really bad. We're actually really bad because that was the MLS's back was the first action after the layoff. Before the layoff, you had two wins in the regular season, one against Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, you had the big loss to in the Champions League. So it's like we didn't really know what to expect. I don't think most fans were expecting that, though. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think for me, there there's two things. Well, there's a few that stand out because, well, this season has been an absolute travesty. Um, you know, before pre-COVID, I think, you know, you look at that 3-0 loss away to America and we were just terrible. I mean, I think that was one of the moments where for me... It really showed where Atlanta United was, at least his current team was, in comparison to the the clubs we're trying to compare ourselves against, which is, you know, those Mexican sizes, where Atlanta United wants to be, is, is challenging them as, as one of the best teams in the in, in the continent, and in CONCACAF. And I think that made it pretty apparent that, A, Frank DeBoer had no idea what he was doing because that game was just awful tactically from the get-go. Um, but if you want to go after that, I mean... I want to say maybe that 4-1 loss to Orlando, but honestly, part of me just writes off the entire Stephen Glass timeline because at that point, the season was gone and it was a shit show. But at the same time, that loss was bad. I mean, that was bad. They looked horrendous away at Orlando, and it was just, it was really depressing. But also, you could possibly throw in that loss at home to D.C. as well because it's just like you beat them 4-0 away, and then you come back, and then you lose at them at home, and it was just... It was just really frustrating. So, but for me, I'd probably say if I had to pick one, I said that loss to America because it kind of put us in our place in a way, and that did not feel great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the loss to DC at home for me too as well was a real dagger, just because like it's again, it's one of the worst teams in the league. You know what I mean? Like you get beat by the best teams, it's like all right, fair enough. Like we're not at that point. Uh, to I mean, like DC was a shambles. We beat them. We won in DC for the. First time, like bad they were, and yeah, to come back home, and that I think was really the loss to put Atlanta United behind the eight ball in terms of making the playoffs. Which, like, has to be noted, an expanded playoff field. Like Atlanta United couldn't even make it in the top ten in the in the East. You know, like, ooh, it's. I think you know we got to be honest about how bad this season was. It was a shambles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we're gonna go for a combined worst moment, and I think for us this is pretty easy and we just said the MLS is back tournament as a whole because three, one, no losses, three absolutely pathetic performances. And then the coach gets sacked. I mean, you can't get much worse than what Atlanta United showed down in Orlando. That was bad all the way around. I think at that point, everyone kind of knew whether DeBoer stayed or not, it wasn't going to matter. This ship was, was sinking, especially without Joseph Martinez. It was apparent that, it was it was just rough. I mean, if you get sacked after three games and you won two trophies the year before, I think that tells you everything you need to know. And like you said, it built into that fact that you lost to Cincinnati one nil, and it was just embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, I still have the image. I still have the image of Carlos Bocanegra just like talking yeah. on the bench, just like going on, and it's just like, yeah, that 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 ain't good.
1: Yeah, we we came like that team, like making the headlines for the wrong reasons. You know, it was like everyone's favorite topic is like, "What's wrong with that? United?" But things were just—they were so wrong. You know, it was, it was so obvious. I think it was things we said this before. Things that just bubbled to the surface that we kind of noticed before in incidents here and there. And so, um, you know, they make the move. I think also for, I think the whole coaching, oh sorry, coaching search or you know, lack thereof. You know, and just. I guess having the interim coach finish the season, I don't know. I, it's, uh, I think that that is a sore point for a lot of fans, you know what I mean? Because it's like, what exactly is the direction of this team? A manager, you know, knowing who the manager is, is a big factor in that. And so I think not hearing anything just uh, creates a sense of worry for a lot of fans. I mean, like, you know, there might be stuff going on, we don't know. But um, I think we would like to hear a little more.
0: And we're definitely going to touch on that a little bit later when we get into the news because Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra spoke this week to the media about what the club's plans are going forward. But before we get to that, let's try and find some positives in this season and pick our best moments. So this is going to be a little bit more difficult, I think, because there's not a lot of bright spots. But go to you first. And what is your best moment from this past season for Atlanta United?
1: Yeah, I mean, 2020 was obviously weird, right? So I think for a lot of reasons, um, that opening weekend in Nashville was a, a high moment, you know what I mean? Because at that point, we we felt like, you know, season's looking up. Like, we have, um, you know, PD and Barco look good together. And uh, Mesa looks like he might be a player and all that. And, uh, I mean, just to win it like team that's a new but like you know closest to you and like you're trying to build that rivalry or whatever um the energy in the stadium was great um and yeah i mean uh i think there was just a lot of optimism at that moment and then like that's the game that we lose joseph martinez and like that's the beginning of the end of our season so um i think everything up until that moment really was <laughs> probably the the peak of this season
0: yeah for me, I think if I had to pick a best moment, it would either be that 4-0 win away to D.C. or that win at home over Nashville where P.T. played really well and scored that banger because it was like, oh, he's really good. And then we sold him, like, the next week. <laughs> but um,
1: <laughs> God,
0: that was a game where she's like, oh, P.T.'s good. Maybe he can carry this team. And then the D.C. win, she's like, we finally get a win over there. You win 4-0. You look good. Gallagher look good. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just it, it's kind of just one of those brief glimpses of hope in a season that didn't really have much um, and then as far as our combined best moment goes I mean it's it's kind of hard to really pick like a combined best moment like what, what do we both would agree on if it was the best moment of the season for me I guess I think it'd be a little bit of a of a trick answer and then I think for me the best moment of the season was when we fired Frank DeBoer because like it was, <laughs> and it was heading downhill and he had no idea what it was doing and yes the rest of the season was a shit show and we didn't make the playoffs but you weren't going to probably make them under DeBoer anyway and you were heading towards a mutiny again it felt like within that dressing room where people clearly didn't like him and so even though it was a negative it's kind of a positive because the club realized that it wasn't heading in the right direction and is at least trying to fix that and move forward in a different
1: way yeah, um I guess going back to my uh previous answer, I maybe combined it's like the first three results of the season or whatever. Um, you know, the win over Motagua, um win over Nashville, win over Cincinnati, you know, you're thinking like, okay, maybe this team has something going. Like I think that again like that week or two weeks or however long it was, but like there were, definitely was a lot of optimism in the team. So, um yeah, Frank Frank the getting fired was That was like, it was a shock because we didn't expect it to happen then, Uh, but I think when it happened, we were like, okay, we can move forward now, can like rebuild and, you know, start the process or whatever, so.
0: Yeah, I totally feel that. So our next bit of business we're going to get into is actually talking a little bit more about the team in detail in terms of the players, the performances and who we think should stick around and who we think should depart, because it seems like there's going to be a lot of roster turnover this year. And as we get into the news and talk a little bit about what Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eel said in terms of building the, the roster up for next season, it looks like they're going to be making a lot of moves. And if we're being honest, it is a bit nervy because a lot of the moves they made this year didn't exactly pan out. And so I think there are some bright spots in terms of players. And going over the list of players we think should stay, you and I really agree, I think, on a lot of them. Um, I mean, some yes. off the bat that I think are really straightforward that, that that we don't have to talk too much about, just because we know they're staying. I mean, Moreno, given that he's a new DP and he's improved, and I think he will continue to improve with Joseph coming in. I think Gallagher has really showed a lot. I think Bello has improved immensely this season, and that was something I think we talked about back at the beginning. It's something that I talked about, and it was. You know, once the season definitely kind of got lost, it was great to see him playing every game because he needed that experience to get better. And I think it's something that you, you've you mentioned as well in terms of his progress and how much he'll mean to this team going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, Bellows' play has been uh, one of the bright spots of the season, you know, legitimately. You know, I think uh, we, we got to see him play every week, which was kind of an issue before. Uh, we got to see him really hold down that spot and markedly improve, especially with his defending, you know, tracking runners. Um, you know, not getting caught up field too often. I mean, you know, it's going to happen, but um, I think it definitely got better at that. And he still was, I think, consistent in his attacking contribution. I think, uh, if we actually had better uh, forwards or you know, maybe forwards that combined better with Bello, um, you know, we would see even more from him. So, um, yeah, Bello for me, I think one of the bright spots. Um, in terms of players, going back to players that we keep, I think Robinson. Escobar, yeah, I think we would keep them. And that's like three out of every four in terms of the back line right there. So uh, in terms of a positive, you know, it seems like we have uh, good talent in the in the defense, good young talent um, that can also improve. Um, I know Robinson had a bit of a dip this year. Uh, I think there was a lot going on, especially with the coaching turnover uh, that probably affected his play a bit. So yeah. uh, I'm not worried about, you know, his you know him as a player going forward because he's still young so absolutely. now it's this what second full season of starting so i mean yeah absolutely
0: and, and to get uh, missed, at his age you know it was a trial by fire and i think again you know he he grew a lot and people still have to remember his age where he is and where he is in his development i mean he's not everyone's going to be alfonso davies you know, like that's not gonna happen. But Bello, I think, is making strong improvements to show that he can be a solid left back in MLS. And if he continue to improve on those performances, I still think he's two to three years away from really being an article where you could say he can he can go and make a move to a bigger league. I don't know if that's what he's gonna have, but I think at least to have a homegrown player that, you know, whose contract's gonna work a little bit differently in terms of how it's calculated against your cap is really, really important for Atlanta United because if you look at the teams that are winning Supporter Shield, like Philadelphia, or even, you know, Red Bulls in the few seasons they've won it, they've had strong, homegrown players filling out that team, which costs them less money, which enables them to bring in better players. Even Toronto, even though they spend a boatload on those DPs that they have, they do bring through young players as well to help supplement that team. You know, speaking of young players as well, you know, I think that Lopez, we didn't really, we didn't see him this year. He's going to be around. I think he'll get Actually, next year we didn't mention him, but Jurgen Dam for all of the the stick he took before he came in. I think he definitely showed some bright spots as as a player for the Five Stripes, and I think that he's a player that can definitely offer a little bit more going forward, especially if you can get service into a guy like Joseph Martinez, who, if you give him half a chance, he, he he's more likely than not going to bury
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I like about him is that he'll take the space. You know what I mean? Like he's just that pure speed, and then like he actually has some decent skill in the ball as well. Um, and showed had those moments of good decision making from the right wing. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely like to see more of him. I think he can be a game changing kind of player, like uh, Tito was. I mean, us. they they both
0: have the pace. That that's for certain. He might not have the goal scoring, but I mean, heck, right. if you can get good service into Joseph, that's good. Um, moving on to players, exactly. we think we can depart. I think for me, if i are not on that list, they can go. Um, and that's kind of a lot of players, I think. And there, there was a lot of players that really, for me personally, underperformed this year. Um, hmm. For differing reasons is why I think Atlanta should should move on from them. You know, for me, off the bat, I've always been an Emerson Hyndman fan. I, I think he's a decent operator. But what you're getting from him for the wages you're spending, that TAM money that goes almost up yes. to a million – you're not getting that from him. And as much as I like him, if you if you can shift that salary and get that off your books and find another player to come in, I feel like you can get more out of that money than what you're getting from Emerson Hyman.
1: Absolutely. But, um, totally you know, what, I what mean, I like, like I, go ahead. I was going to say on your Emerson Hyman point, like I think if you're going to pay that salary for a midfielder, you want like a darlington Nagney kind of impact. Um, and it's just not that. Um, Interestingly, we didn't mention Barco on the keep list. I think both of us are kind of have similar feelings. I like think we start to we need to start being realistic about what kind of fee that Barco is going to command in the market. Um, to be honest, I think because of logistics, I don't think he'll move in the winter. Um, so I think the hope is that uh, he plays the first few months of the season and then moves in the summer. But I think by the end of twenty twenty one, we should see Barco moving on. You know and uh i think at this point you're just hoping to mostly recoup what you spent on him, maybe get a, a tiny profit but the 20 million pounds you got from Moran, i just don't see that coming for barco i just don't think he's that level of a player
0: I, I agree completely i mean i think we talked about it earlier this season that you know if he can stay fit this was a really big year for barco to prove what he can do and I, i've mentioned it multiple times you know where i thought that january would be a good moving point for him if he had a strong season but you know, obviously you have COVID and everything, but he's been injured most of the season. And even when he has played outside the very beginning of the season, when he looked really strong, he hasn't done much. And and if you're not playing and when you do play, you're not contributing much, you know, that's going to be a problem. And I think that Barco in a vein, kind of similar to PT Martinez, he's never really truly found his exact role that suits him best in Atlanta. And he's never really looked the player that Atlanta had thought they were getting. And I agree with you. I mean, at this point, if you can get any profit off of him, then you do the same thing you do with Pity. You pull that trigger, even if it's one, two million dollars, you've got to do it. You know, to our knowledge, that that sell-on clause with Independiente has now fallen off. So you don't have to worry about paying a lot of that money back to Independiente. And, you know, I feel like just with Emerson Hyman, what you're paying for a DP from Barco, you're not getting that return on investment. And I think that at this point in time, going into year three for him, if you can shift him and get some money in i prefer to try something else and to see a different product, a different player come in that can that can add to this team. Because for me personally, you're not getting the value of a designated player out of Ezekiel Barco. I mean, you expect double-digit goals and assists from a guy like that. And, you know, you're not getting that. And if you're not getting that, then in a league with a salary cap structure like MLS, you have to be more efficient in that spending. And I think that's something that really reflected on Atlanta a lot this year because other players for me that that were really disappointing – I mean, Josetu did nothing for me. You know, Meza was not at all what I expected and really hoped he would be better, and he wasn't. Um, I mean, you can't get too mad about Adam John, but, like, you know, he had some decent moments, but he's not yeah. a anti United striker. Obviously, you know, I don't think he yeah. sticks anyway because you'll have Lopez probably as the backup for for Joseph and possibly Kubo Torres if he hangs around. I'm not sure. I'd even prefer Gallagher, personally. He made some great strides this year. But, I mean, there's a lot about this team. Oh, we didn't even mention. For me personally, I think you can find a better keeper for money than Brad Buzan now. Like, at this point in time, I mean, I talked about that 4-1 loss at Orlando. He was culpable in a couple of those goals. He has not been great in terms of shots from distance at any point in time in his career. I think at this point, yes, you do get leadership from him. But also, you look around the league at some of the other goalkeepers that are paid a whole lot less than what he is, yeah. and they're giving you better performance. Because, yes, you have a bad defense, but that doesn't excuse him from making the errors and not making the saves that he should have been making. And I think that's something that has grown over time. As he's been here, you've mm-hmm. started to see him fall off. And, yes, keepers do have longer careers. But also, I just I feel like... Atlanta can do better in that position than what they have right now. And I love Guzan and what he's meant to this club, but at the same time, right. it's about you have to be ruthless in the decisions sometimes.
1: So I agree. Uh, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, I think that uh, the key would be, again, logistics, because I'm assuming that Guzan's on a decently high salary. So you'd have to figure out uh, a place to move him, maybe Chicago, uh, if you could convince him to take him, you know, and get a lot of. Um, I guess less money or whatever in return um and then, like what kind of you know i th- I think Elaine and I should be able to find a decently high level keeper, you know, obviously, in terms of relative to the league um so it'll be interesting to see how they go about that, whether they use an international slot or you know if there's like a young uh, domestic keeper that they really like, you know, um or if there's somebody that they're from the academy if they're willing to throw in. I mean, like, I don't think there is anybody close to that age at the moment, but, or maybe just rolling with Khan in the short term. I mean, they they have options, I guess, but um, then, like, you know, would some fans worry or would some people be worried about losing that leadership aspect? I know that was one of the themes of last off season. but I, I agree. I think if there's an opportunity to free up that salary or replace Kuzan with, like, a, a better keeper, I think that's worth considering at the very least
0: absolutely i mean again it kind of comes down to the
1: wages you get and if you think
0: about you know is he is he say if you wanted to dig into the statistics it's like is he saving you know kind of like a, like the Kepa, and, and you know to, to take a, a chelsea reference here that people who watch the Premier league might understand like i don't know the exact statistics on what his expected saves are versus the expected goals against but for me i feel like it's not as strong as it could be for what you're paying for if that makes sense um we didn't have it in the rundown. I'm going to you know, drop a little bit of a surprise on you with this one, but I don't think it'll be too hard. I'm going to ask you who your most impressive player, so your MVP, and who your like least impressive, most disappointing player was for this season. Um, if you need a second, I can go first, but who would be your MVP and who would be your most disappointing player from this season?
1: All right, I'll take a second to think about it, but I think All I have a good answer.
0: First, and I'll say for me, I think the season MVP comes down between two people. And it, just mostly because of their improvement. And that would either be Bello or Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher led the team, I think, with, what, four goals, which just tells you a lot, considering usually you're getting 30 goals a season out of Joseph, and now right. your leader has four. I think he showed a lot. And he was one of the bright spots of the MLS's back tournament, if I'm being honest, because when he came on, whether he was playing left, center, back, central midfielder, or forward, he showed something that I don't think you saw in a lot of the other players on the team. He, he worked really, really hard. And I think that there is something there That could be really useful for Atlanta going forward. And then obviously, you know, George Bellow with what he's done and his improvements. There's not very many other bright spots. But as far as MVP, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Bellow for me. Just because on the whole, he played more and was more consistent, I guess, throughout the whole season. And for me to pick a disappointing player, it's kind of harsh. But I'd probably go with Ezekiel Barco because I really felt that... This was going to be the season, his third season in Atlanta, where he was really going to take that step up and become a key integral player for the Five Stripes. And COVID injuries injuries aside, he never really did that outside the first couple games where he showed some real promise, but then for a myriad of reasons, it just never worked out. And for me, we're three years into this project at this point in time, and he still really isn't living up to the hype and the price tag and everything that we thought we were getting when we signed Ezekiel Barco. And that's kind of frustrating because you really want to see him succeed and take that next step. It it still just hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, so uh, in terms of um, biggest surprise or, I guess, best player, um, it's Gallagher for me as well. Um, Pretty much, I think, uh, I don't have too much to add to what you said, but uh, I will say, like, in terms, you know, when you're in, like, having one of these kind of seasons and, Pretty much, you're looking ahead to next season. You're obviously in the rebuilding phase. You got to figure out like who's actually worth keeping, who could have a role in a team that's making the playoffs and challenging for titles. And Gallagher, in you know, in the in the opportunity that he got this season, because really we didn't know anything much about him before this season, and he showed out. You know, in the opportunities that he got, and you love seeing that. You love seeing that positive attitude, and um, you know that that sort of I guess approach to every treating every game like it's, you know, a big game or, you know, a big moment for him and uh, really taking the opportunities. I mean, I think he kind of fell off a little bit because of fatigue, but uh, I think, yeah, we've definitely seen enough for him to, to see him, uh, you know, as part of the team for at least the next two or three seasons. Um,
0: Where do you you see his best position or where would you like to see him most play for Atlanta? Because he has the flexibility to play damn near anywhere across the pitch he's shown. I mean, from left center back to wing back to central midfield to as a forward, where do you think he fits in best as as a player for Atlanta United going forward?
1: Or I like would you him like? on the wings. I like him on the wings. Um, I mean, I don't know if we'll see, I guess, if the next manager uses three at the back. Um, you know, I guess I could see him at a wing back role. But I like him, generally speaking, uh, on the wings in a 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, preferably on the left, but I think he can do his job on the right as well. I just like how he takes on players, you know, drives the ball into the box and, you know, looks to... Looks for that final ball, for that final cross or whatever, or, you know, if the shot's there, you know, just that, I guess, uh, aggressiveness, you know, I like seeing that. I think we need players like that um, who can do it on their own, but also can just open it up for the team in general, because, you know, the big players like Moreno and uh, Joseph, when he comes back, they're going to be keyed on. And so it's like, the, you still need, even if it's one or two players who is doing who are doing the scoring, you still need like a total team game, you know, so... I think That's the key to that Lane United game back to its best.
0: Absolutely. I mean, at for at the worst, I feel like Gallagher's the type of player that if you have him on your bench, you're in a better place because you can at least bring somebody off the bench that will really give you something if that's if that's the direction or that's where he finds his role, even if it's just his depth. I think that's a quality player to have as depth. It's the type of player you Dep- need to want to win multiple trophies because you need people to start in the US Open Cup. You know, thankfully, we won't have CCL next year. I know that sounds weird, but two years in it. Cap Champions League kind of sucks, and it kind of messes up your season at the beginning. So, like, not really super upset that we're not going to be in it next season,
1: <laughs> right?
0: But anyway, guys, that's going to kind of put a bow on our 2020 season review. Please get down in the comments below and let us know what you think. Oh, what's up? Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't,
1: I didn't do my disappointing player. Oh, disappointing player. You're right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, you're good um For me, it's Fernando Mesa. You know, like he was supposed to be the LGP replacement. Um, he is, you know, thirty years old. He is supposed to be the starter since fill, fill right in. And early on, like those first couple games, I was encouraged. He looked good, but that happened. I mean, he fell off. His play wasn't very good, and he just wasn't getting picked. And that, for me, was the biggest indictment. Like, like he was one of your marquee offseason signings. And when you go to not getting picked, like, even by the interim manager, it's just like, you know, like it. He just really seems like a one season bust. So. That's for sure. But
0: that will be the end of our 2020 season review segment of this podcast. So
1: get in the comments below and let
0: us know what you think as far as your most disappointing moment, your best moment, players you think should stay or go, your MVP, your least valuable player, all that, get down below and let us know what you guys have to say about that. But moving on, we will get into the news. And the first bit of news is something that... If we're being honest, I don't think anyone really cares about. And if it didn't happen, then whatever. But the CONCACAF Champions League, for whatever reason, is going to resume in December. And not only is it going to resume in December, it's going right back to that city we love oh so much. And it will be hosted in Orlando at Exploria Stadium. I, I mean, what? we're already dead. Like, why? I don't know. But we'll be playing December 15th against Club America in the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinals. Remember, we're losing 3-0. And this team's terrible. So there's going to be over a month where they haven't played. Who knows who's going to still be around. I think a lot of people are looking at this as an opportunity to play younger players. But uh, it just looks weird. What do you think, Mark?
1: I don't know, man. There's just, like, some weird karma going on. I mean, like, we've already had such a shit show of a season. We had to, like, our worst play was in Orlando in the MLS's back tournament. We lost Orlando twice, and then now we got to go back there again? Like, oh, God. Just end the season. Just end the season. I'm ready for the season to be over.
0: The soccer gods are most definitely laughing at Atlanta United right now and doing as much as they can to torture them. But that will be, thankfully, mercifully, will be the end of the season. And a lot of people have talked about it as an opportunity to maybe try some academy players just some USL players. It's a lost cause. No one really gives a damn about the result, if we're being honest, because we know we're not going to win. Um, so, I, I mean, even if we get completely shit shithoused, I don't think America's necessarily going to be putting out their top players either because they know that this is in the bag as far as a, a tie is concerned. Um, but you know, moving on from that, that will be the end, mercifully, of the 2020 season for Atlanta United. And speaking about the future, Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra spoke to the media, the media earlier this week and really talked about, you know, what next season will be and how they're moving forward. And, you know, in terms of a lot of the criticism that they took and in, in moving forward, Darren Eels said, We aren't naive, we aren't stupid. We have to learn from this. We've had we've had good years, we've had adversity. This year, And it's important that we learn from this. Sometimes in down times, you learn more. We've got to make sure we are better. And I think that's absolutely right, because there have been good times. But despite winning two trophies last season, Atlanta United has kind of been on a downhill trajectory since that 2018 MLS Cup win, because yes, you have to break the board, but at no point in time did anyone really find the soccer that enjoyable. Um And, yeah, you win two trophies. Great. One was a one-off Super Cup, which is probably the best game under DeBoer, in my opinion, against Club America in the Campeones Cup. The other was the U.S. Open Cup, which is kind of a luck of the draw in a way. And it was at home. So, like, you kind of expected to win that game. But um, Darren Eels did talk about a few things yeah. um, that will work in the team's favor in terms of trying to add another trophy to the cabinet moving forward. Um, And in terms of hiring a new manager, which we talked about earlier, they do plan to hire a new manager by the end of the year and with an emphasis on someone who has shown and demonstrated the ability to play aggressive, positive, attacking soccer. Obviously, that's what this club talked about when it was formed. And Darren Eagles even touched about that in in his comments to the media where he was like, we're kind of looking back to how that 2017 season was, almost as a relaunch in 2021. We're trying to find that same energy and that same vibe that you captured in that inaugural season about This is who we are, and then building upon that going forward. And I think that that soul was kind of lost over the last two years because of just how negative everything was with the soccer. And then he obviously Mm -hmm. touched on the fact of bringing Joseph Martinez back. You get him back, that changes everything in terms of goals for you. But they also touched on there's some mechanisms within the new CBA that will allow the team to improve the talent there, and they have some more flexibility with the salary cap that they did not necessarily have this year. And so that's something that I think is going to be really important building off what we talked about with moving those players on that we don't want and getting in some new talent. And then also he touched on the development of players like Bello, like Gallagher, as well as midseason acquisitions in Jurgen Dam and Marcelina Moreno. You know, how do you feel about what he said and about the direction you think that they're heading moving forward?
1: Uh, so I mean I think the most uh, encouraging thing, or at least one of the things that I agree with strongly. It's uh, trying to recapture the energy of 2017, um, you know, and uh, I think it is, like, we're just, like, the bottom. We've we've hit our bottom, I think, and um, and so, you know, it's time to, like, rebuild the roster. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover, again, this off season, but I think it'll be more understandable depending on the moves that they make. Um, I think it is very interesting that you mentioned the flexibility in the CBA. One of the things I'm curious about, is this uh, young DP clause that we've been hearing about since ever since the new CBA was announced, pretty much uh, a year ago, or was it earlier this year? I don't know. Time is just weird. <laughs> Time's an abstract concept
0: right now. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, um, but no, yeah. If there's an opportunity to bring in like uh, hi- more high-priced players, I think that is definitely an exciting opportunity that Atlanta United needs to take advantage of and really be able to address. You know, let's say they get three more of those slots, really be able to address every single position group, you know, um, because I think, uh, I think it did, we did lose some balance over time, uh, which is why you, part of the reason I think why you saw the decline. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, the words are good. Uh, it's what you want to hear. I, I don't think there's too much surprise in any of that. But uh, now we have about three months, basically, February, by February, we should all have all this settled in terms of who the manager is. That's the most important thing. And then what kind of players they're able to bring in. And so um, they have about three months. So, I mean, yeah, it's not a long time.
0: They've talked about this season is, or at, in this press conference is trying to get all this done early this time, trying to have all of these moves and the roster and the coaching staff sorted out early so that they can really have a proper preseason. And we do not yet know when the MLS season will start in 2021, usually sure. the end of February, but given the state of COVID, no one is quite sure right now when the season will start. Again, we're not going to have to worry about CONCACAF Champions League. So that gives the chance for a really hopefully strong preseason where they can really work on whatever the new coach that comes in wants to do and have that chemistry from building through a, a real preseason where you don't have to worry about playing games here and there and traveling down to Central America. Um, so I think that's really, really important. And to kind of close it off with what Darren Neal said, It's the city's phrase of resurgence, to rise again. This is a great opportunity to focus on 2021. 2020 has been a strange year for a lot of people. We want this to be quickly forgotten. I think for me, I kind of agree with that, but also I don't want this season to be forgotten because I think this season was an example of hubris for Atlanta United. I think maybe they got a little bit too big for their boots and maybe tried to get a bit too fancy with what they were doing. And they put together a patchwork roster that didn't have really any balance top to bottom. I feel bad for DeBoer in that, he was, you know, given, he was asked to make lemonade and they gave him apples. And it's just like, well, I can't do this because you didn't give me what I needed. And he kind of had some comments that talked about that after he was sacked in in his uh, article with The Athletic where he talked with uh, Felipe Cardenas, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, you got a lot of pressure on the front office going into 2021 because they're saying all the right things now. But I think everyone knows that you said the right things before. You said DeBoer was evolution, not revolution. And that shit was wrong. And then you said you're making all the right moves assembling this roster. And they clearly were not the right moves assembling this roster. So I think there's a lot of pressure on them moving forward, and especially on Bo Kenegger in terms of what he can do as a technical director.
1: Yeah, pretty much agree with that.
0: But uh, in a a positive note to kind of end things on today, if you have not seen Joseph Martinez, got to spend some time with the special uh, fan Sydney Grace on her birthday. It was adorable. If you haven't checked it out, I'm not sure if we're going to throw it up on the screen, but there's definitely going to be a link to it. Joseph's the man. I love him. And also, to talk about him, we didn't speak about it in the news. Daniels did say they're not rushing him back at all, which is good, giving him his full-time for recovery. I'm glad because you need him for next season. But yeah, Joseph Martinez, do you think he ever becomes the captain of Atlanta United?
1: I mean, I think he's a natural leader, you know, and I think that's one of the things we missed was his just emotional leadership on the field. And so um, I don't see why not. I mean, I guess, you know, you don't always see the striker as the captain, but to me, Joseph would be is a natural. uh, Yeah, I think he's pretty much the obvious captain. Yeah, I'd love to
0: see him wear the armband one day. It's, It's you don't usually see a striker wear it, but. God, I love that man so much. But anyway, that is going to take us to our question of the day. And that is what are you most looking forward to this offseason? New coach, new players, new primary kit? Please can we go back to five stripes? Please, God. Let us know in the comments below what you have to say. But guys, that is going to put a wrap on this podcast, our season 20, our 2020 season review. We still have one more game, but the season's already over. Let's be honest. We can kick back and watch the playoffs and hopefully watch the teams we don't like lose and see someone maybe who hasn't won before win. That's just that's just what I want to see. But hey, it is what it is. Remember to like, comment, share, subscribe. For Mark, I'm Tanner. Thank you guys so much. Also, thank you. This is our first podcast, by the way. Um, since Corey passed away, and we just want to say thank you, guys, from the bottom of our hearts, for all the love, support, and kindness you guys have shown—from supporting and donating to the GoFundMe to all of your messages of love on social media—you guys have been absolutely incredible. It really does put the fam in Five Strike fam, and I don't want that to sound corny. It, it means a lot, and you know, it helps us in terms of you know when we make content to see how much you guys care. And it does show that even in hard times for everyone, that the Atlanta fan community is incredibly special. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon. We're not sure the next podcast will be up, but we will keep making content throughout the offseason as things go along. So please stay tuned here and tuned into our social media to stay up to date on everything. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm Tanner. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. Please stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.